leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Cleveland. Welcome to another edition of the 1085 Gridiron Podcast. I am your host, Jack McCurry. Anthony Jokey is not with us tonight, but I brought in a great guest to talk some NFL drafts, some senior bowl. Uh, he's probably the hardest working man in the uh, Browns Twitter game. It is Mr. Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. Jeff, how you doing, bud? It's been a while. Um, it's good. Uh, you know, busy, um, you know, amazed that people are still listening after the 2019 regular season. Um, but you know, uh, you, you know, you know, I guess hope springs eternal. I guess it's kind of where we're at Browns wise. And, you know, uh, you know, I was hoping for a quieter, easier January. And, you know, obviously what I'm learning the more and more of covering this team and covering this franchise is expect the unexpected and it is never dull. Right, right. I uh, I heard you last week that you cracked the top 200 again on iTunes and you were one of the you were the non-playoff team to crack the top 200. So uh, congrats on that. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing considering where we're at as a franchise, but always uh, always great <laughs> to see you get the funny. recognition. Yeah, well, it is kind of funny when you're up there with, you know, three teams that are uh, in the uh, you know, a- NFC or AFC championship, and then it's like, which one of these doesn't belong? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I heard you say, like, it was the Packers, the 49ers, and the Chiefs, and then you're like, oh, the Browns. And I'm like, yeah, I just wish we were playing the Chiefs last Sunday instead of not playing. Uh, 100%, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, or you could have looked at it this way, and that could have been a 70 to nothing massacre. So, look, it's not that far off the product. Uh, you just need, uh, you know, as always, and we've always talked about, is you need essentially you need the right bus. You need the people driving the bus. I'm not so sure the roster is the biggest of the question marks anymore. No, not at all. I was talking to someone last night about it. I said, you know, if we can get everything aligned, which seems to be the key word this offseason, we're not that far off from being a playoff contender by any means. But, you know, this week, uh, all eyes are on Mobile, Alabama. It is the Senior Bowl. Uh, I know Pete Smith's down there covering things for uh, Browns Maven as well as Locked On Browns. you know, Pete, the or Jeff, I'm sorry. <laughs> the one thing I always wondered about the Senior Bowl is why are the practices, why do they bring more attention than the game? It seems like once we get to the game, like no one cares about it. No one really watches, but like all eyes are on these practices. Well, part of it also is, though, is you keep in mind that it is an all-star game within itself. So within the all-star game, you know, look, there's, there's some guys saying, man, last thing I want to do right now is get hurt. You're going to always have those guys that that motor never turns off. You know, you talk about the guys, you know, who will play a game on Sunday and are upset the next time you hit the practice field. What do you mean we're not hitting? We're not hitting yet. I want to hit. And there's always those guys. Um, But what it is, is, you know, you're looking for a lot of, you know, individual, you know, I mean, you want to see these linemen just take pass pro reps. And the thing is, is when you get caught up in the team aspect of it, it's hard to get C function as a unit. These guys are only going to be together, you know, for a Tuesday practice, a Wednesday practice, a Thursday practice. Friday essentially is just trying to install, install some semblance 
of special teams, unless you're the Detroit Lions, because apparently they care about that. Um, so, you know, the individual part of it is, you know, the biggest one. It's the moneymaker and why the practices are – everybody knows what it's there for. Um, you know, look, you got Bill Belichick there for a second straight day and eyeing up certain positional groups, whether it's D-line, whether it's offensive line. That is the pressure. The game is the fun of it. It's the reward of it. It's, you know, it's nice to see some individual performances that come from it. But, like, you take the quarterback play, for example. You know, if each team's got four quarterbacks, you're getting a quarter of play. So you're not going to get much to go with. It's going to be how you compete at these routes. Um, and the thing is, also, it's like the learning of it, though, because, I mean, it's, all right, this is what it looked like on Tuesday. And, you know, you have a fair amount of guys who look good on Tuesday. But now it's, well, all right, now we sat down. You got to watch your film. The coaches got to watch their film. They're going to offer you up a couple of critiques. Now, let's see you go out there tomorrow and do this. And, you know, I gave you two easy tips to use. Are you going to use them tomorrow? If you don't and you get beat the same old way, you start to get into that, you know, can he take to coaching? You know, does he process information quickly? Um, so that's, that's where the practices become more of it. And, you know, the game, it does, you know, have you know, a game feel to it, an all-star appeal to it. I still like watching the game. My thing is, is don't watch it with a scouting eye. Just watch it. And, you know, you'll still get to see, you know, maybe a tremendous catch by a wide receiver or a great play by a linebacker, you know, chasing a screen down 15 yards down the field. You know, uh, a pass rusher absolutely just whips somebody with a gorgeous move. The game is kind of like, you know, the it's kind of like the whipped cream and the cherry on top. The nuts and bolts of the week certainly happens between Tuesday and Thursday. You know, unfortunately, um, there are some notable names that were sidelined uh, from the start of the Senior Bowl. You know, Prince Tega Wanogo from Auburn, Trey Adams from Washington, Ashton Davis from Cal. Um, were you looking forward to hearing about these guys? I know they've been, you know, favorites in mock drafts, you know, since, you know, Browns fans have been diving into them. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing what maybe Winogo or maybe a Trey Adams could do just because the Browns are definitely in the offensive tackle market. Well, the thing with Trey Adams is this is his MO. Um, and, you know, apparently he was a little bit of a hammy that, you know, he you know came up while I was working out. And keep in mind, some of these guys are a lot further away from playing football than maybe the maybe the LSU kids and obviously the Clemson kids. So you get to a certain point where it's you're not doing so much football stuff as you're already kind of into training for. And you're you know basically working on running that 40, getting the highest vertical you possibly can. So once you start to get back into football type of things, some guys it's not as easy. But you've got to protect the assets. And that's why these guys go through a full physical when they get there. And if there is even the tiniest bit of red flags, and, you know, uh, Prince Tegan Winogo, he was one of them where it was like, well, I just played through this entire thing. And, but God forbid you get out there, you're not 100%. And, you know, say in a, in a case of Prince, it's an ACL now. You're talking three rounds maybe of draft stock. It becomes a serious, serious issue. It's, you know, hey, I would have loved to see you this week. Uh, I still got your entire career on film. I can watch every down you ever took. It's better than the risk of the kid getting a more significant injury. Um, you know, you'll get, you get a chance to meet with them. You know, obviously Christian Fulton's down there as well. You get the chance to meet with these kids, talk with these kids, get at least an initial meeting, you know, whether or not you want to meet with them further when you go to the combine. It stinks and it's kind of difficult and it, you know, it hurts the process. And this is also where Jim Nagy's gone with this a little bit different. Uh, you know, Phil Savage used to love the small school kids. And the cool thing about the small school kids is they're never pulling out of these games. These kids are begging for this shot and to get this opportunity. 
where uh, Jim Nagy's gone more with a power five approach. Yeah, the rosters look great when we first get them. And then by the time you actually get to the week of the senior bowl, you see the amount of turnover and things of that nature. Does it hurt the overall product? Do I blame Jim Nagy for doing it? No, you try to bring as much spotlight to your game as you can. At the end of the day, it is a business. But with that, you're going to have to expect more withdrawals. And some of these kids that you offered in October, maybe in October, they were viewed as, you know, fourth round picks. Maybe now what the, the you know, feedback they're getting is, hey, you might be a top 50 player. So you may have accepted the game, you know, thinking, man, I really need this game. And now in your current state of affairs, two months later, wow, I don't need this game as much as I thought when I originally committed. You know what? I played a bowl game in January. I don't have much time to get ready for the combine. My body needs to decompress a little bit. It's just not the best thing for me. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, even though he didn't have an injury, like, you know, Nagy announcing that Burrow wasn't going to attend the Senior Bowl. Like, and then there was criticism behind that. Like, did anybody really think Burrow was going to do it? Like, what more does he have to prove? He's the number one pick in the draft. Like, why why risk anything going down to Mobile and risking an injury or anything? Just to, It just didn't make any sense. But um, with Trey Adams, Jeff, like, you know, you talked about, you know, that's his M.O., you know, he has the injury history. Is he worth the gamble of spending a top 100 pick despite, you know, the, the injury history? Like, if, say, he falls to the third round and the Browns were able to get him with one of those third-round picks, is he worth the gamble because of his uh, history with injuries? I wouldn't say for the Browns he is in their current situation. Um, you're looking here with, you know, a second-round pick or maybe even either one of your thirds that you could possibly get a starting right tackle, a starter. That's the way this class is shaping up. Now, here's the problem. If the Browns invest in Trey Adams and say, all right, I think we got our starter here in the right tackle, and these things start flaring up, and now you're talking about back, which led to knee, and you can say it was a training thing, but hamstring. Hamstring sometimes happen when a back is a concern. For me, you know, the, the juice isn't, you know, isn't exactly worth the squeeze with Trey Adams just because it, this is what's been the deal, you know, and for them, if they think they can get a starting right tackle with that pick, the injury flags are going to be big. If you're a more established team, if you already have a right tackle that you think, I may only have a year left, I may only have two years left, either contract, age, whatever the situation is, I'll take the gamble now. Does he hold up? Maybe I found my guy early, or I can address it again in you know a year or two years from now. You know, Teams like New England, the more established teams. But if you need these guys to be starters, You'd rather take this advantage, at least on the guy who, you know, where the injury history is clean. And look, I mean, with injuries, it's tough, obviously. Trey Adams could go on to play, you know, 10 years in the league. We don't know, but you got to take the information at hand. For me, I'd say maybe in the fourth at 105, maybe. I'd have to see what I did before then. But for me, it's it's a real, real tough to get on board with him, especially with, uh, you know, the fact that we are talking about a really deep and really talented offensive tackle class. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the deep offensive tackle class and a guy that is creeping into the first round. And Jim Nagy said it in his uh, introductory press conference Monday at the Senior Bowl. He's talking about Houston tackle Josh Jones, who uh, if anybody has paid attention to the draft all year, the Browns have been scouting him uh, probably quite heavily throughout the process. Uh, Many look to him as a potential pick in the second round. He might not even get there. I mean, and he's having a great senior bowl so far. Uh, really good in pass protection, as uh, your buddy Pete Smith mentioned on Twitter earlier. Uh, where do you? Where's your stance on Josh Jones right now? 
Well, here's the interesting thing is, is Josh Jones, and he kind of fits the MO of what this offensive line, or at least from what these gentlemen have done in the past and what their track record states is, this is the kind of guy they're looking for. They don't, you know, it, it's okay if you're a bigger body, but they want athleticism. They want guys who can move. Josh Jones is a nice mix of both. His pass pro is good, and he can move well. Um, you know, as Pete always talks about the ass, you got to be able to sink. And if you got that ass, you can sink. Josh Jones can do that. Um, he, you'd like at times to see like a Quentin Nelson type of, hey, you know, just go ahead and finish him. Like you had him on the hook and essentially you threw him in the water type of thing. Go ahead and finish him and let know, guess what? You're going to go back here and we're going to do this again in 30 seconds and we're going to beat you down again. Um, just needs a little bit more of that finisher, that, you know, almost jerk type mentality. But everything you're looking for in the way he's being talked about now, and obviously, you know, he gets the stage here now where obviously the underclassmen don't. And, you know, there's guys who are probably best suited for the right side. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, unless, and he says he thinks he's going to do extremely well at the combine. And when guys usually say that, you usually take some credence in it because you don't want to write, you know, a check that your ass can't cash, so to speak. Josh Jones, I mean, from what I've heard, just even a little bit you know, from the guys down at Mobile, is, is they wouldn't be stunned if it was top 20 or top 25. So that would make it, what, five offensive tackles in the top 20, top 25 now? Uh, that that's five, That would be, yeah, that, that'd be five. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's where we're going. And look, um, you look at it, you know, there's teams that either need young quarterbacks or the next quarterback, or there's teams who have the young quarterback, and those teams, you know, need to make that investment to protect said investment. And we know which one Cleveland falls into. Absolutely. Um, you know, since we're on the topic of offensive tackles, Makai Becton out of Louisville has become the hot name at the position. And, um, you know, Daniel Jeremiah dropped his first mock and had him fourth overall in his first mock draft. And I think that kind of surprised some people. But, you know, following you, following Stephen Thomas, uh, Pete Smith, you know, you guys, I've seen the mock drafts where he's been going at 10 now. And this is a guy that's rising. And I'm using air quotes when I say that. But, it seems to think that the scouts around the league have had Beckton a lot higher than the uh, media experts have. Um, I think the thing is, and when you watch him, I mean, and the first thing you look at is, I mean, I think, and this is the misconception because I've had, you know, some people come at, you know, everyone sees the height number, they see the weight number. And those are usually the, and the ones who say, Oh, he doesn't move very well. It's for me, it's like, okay, I don't think you've watched. Um, guy was a high school basketball player. He does move well. The guy can get 350 off the ground and dunk a basketball. His feet, uh, I mean, completely 100% yet? No, absolutely not. I mean, almost none of these guys are. But what you see in the power and the rawness, and there's times where it's just one side of his body and one arm, and he's just throwing guys. He's got, you know, the, just the natural built-in strength. Um, you know, if you're going to be somebody that says, wow, you know, he is close to 350. We're about to give him, you know, $20 million guaranteed. You know, I, I don't want this guy going to look like, you know, I don't want him to go from a house to a hotel. I mean, yeah, I can understand those concerns. Um, you know, you're going to want to get into that better and see how much of that is good weight, how much of it is sloppy, how much of the fact that he's only, you know, a baby at 20 years old. Um, Cause a lot of that factors into it as well, but the player himself and, you know, we were taking, you know, some heat because it was like, oh, well, you're just no, well, no, you trade back because you're just taking a tackle at 10 because you need one. No, the guy can play. And, you know, if you can get a 20, 21 year old left tackle, 
and you think he is that good. Now you think about it, what do they always say? Oh, you pencil a man will be there for 10 years. He's only going to be 31. He's only, you know, so he, he brings everything. And those who don't think he moves well, they're not watching good enough. He's not going to finish at the bottom of these athleticism tests. He's probably going to finish middle or higher. He moves well. He jumps well. Uh, you know, all he needs is just more time, more playing time. Does he right off the bat, maybe because of his size, am I worried about whether or not he's a Cleveland fit? You know, you have to look at it as, you know, is there a box? I mean, but, you know, if you like big athletic people who can destroy people that get in front of them, and that's what you want at your left tackle, yeah, he fits the bill. And I don't care that he may carry 15 pounds more than may be ideal. Yeah, and we have a pretty good offensive line coach in the fold now, so I wouldn't be too worried about what uh, they plan on doing with Becton if the Browns ultimately were to pick him at 10. Oh, not, not at all. I mean, if it comes down to it and look, and here's the thing. I mean, you have, you know, you have four potential names and there's ways you can do this if you want to go left side first or you want to go right side first, because I wouldn't rule. I would not not rule out going right tackle at 10 after talking with Sage Rosenfels. And he talked about how much the Stefanski offense likes to call, roll the quarterback, quarterback out to a strong side. Um, Baker does do that very well. Um, it's one of the things Baker excelled on a lot in 18 that we didn't see much of in 19. So. It, it, it could make sense to go either way. And you figure, you know, you do the math. It's, you know, obviously 10 guys. I'm sorry, nine guys go before. Uh, yeah, you know, you do the math. Obviously, four offensive tackles. You know, you know, there's going to be a couple defensive players. The quarterback's names, um, you know, you should have one of these four tackles who all look really darn legit available to you at 10. Javon Kinlaw is. Uh obviously like the top guy down there in mobile you know he plays defensive tackle obviously the browns could use some depth up there on the defensive front um i seen the video clip of him yesterday and like was jaw dropped that way he manhandled that offensive tackle i really didn't know too much about him just because i haven't dived completely into the draft prospects much unlike you know you steven pete among others uh Tell me about Kinlaw, and if the Browns somehow weren't to go offensive tackle at 10, would he be a guy you'd strongly consider at that spot? I think Javon Kinlaw is the type of guy that every one of the 32 teams have interested. You love a story like this kid, a kid who literally came from nothing, times of sleeping on the floor, no stinking lights on in the house. You know, A, number one, it breaks your heart that anybody's got to go through it, let alone a child. And then, you know, you hear about you know him going to JUCO and – first couple of days he was there, Jack, he didn't know the food was free. So he wasn't taking food because he thought he had to pay for it with money that he did not have. Um, so now in, you see the exuberance in his eyes and the way he talks, like he is truly like he already, he doesn't know where he's going. He hasn't been drafted, but he already knows he won the lottery. Like he's, you know, he should be on the path to a good life for him and be able to help out his family and get things right. The personality is infectious. Then you get into the fact he's strong as hell. And he's got these first two steps that are amazingly, amazingly quick. Um, you know, everybody always, like, oh, you know, Aaron Donald, let's all chill with that. And he talked to any one of these D tackles. And it's the funniest thing. It's like, oh, who would you like to watch? Everyone, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. Of course, they want to be defensive player of the year. They want to go sack the quarterback 20 times a year. But, you know, everything about the kid. And look, would it be crazy if he goes at 10? Probably on the grand scheme of thing of what the Browns' needs are. But, you know, analytics could also mean we're going, sticking to our board and going best available. The guy's a, guy's a player. He's got a motive. The question's going to be is, 
the production wasn't as great as you'd like to see. I mean, a lot of it was wow and him busting up the play, but, you know, not essentially recording the stat on the play, which sometimes skews, you know, statistical production. He's one of those guys a little bit more, you know, help would be, you know, with his pass rush. The question would be, you know, at this early stage, is he coming off the field on third down? And you look at the Browns and obviously with Sheldon, obviously with Miles, with Larry, Olivier Vernon, let's see. But even still, you know, it, would he be on the field on third down? So, you know, for me, if it, if you think he's good enough and I'll be on the fields on the field on third downs, yeah, that's okay. If you think he's just a, you know, a big hoss run blocker destroy, if he's only going to get one or two downs, then maybe, you know, 10 is a little rich. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I, I, I don't see that kid not stopping. I don't think the fact that the, he will finally, you know, have a bed. He will finally have lights on. He'll finally be able to eat. I don't see a personality like that with this kid that's going to just go off into the distance. He seems to be the real deal as a person and a player. Who are some of the other names um, down in Mobile that you're going to be keeping an eye on and have kept an eye on throughout the first two, couple of days of practice and through the rest of the week? I always, obviously, I'm always looking at the wide receiver group, um, and it's weird. Um, you know, if you took me back to the day before the Browns made the move for Odell Beckham Jr., I felt better about where the Browns wide receiver roster was that day than I do right now where the Browns wide receiver roster is. And you have Odell Beckham. And you have Jarvis. One of the things that made Baker so great in 2018 as opposed to 19 was he had confidence in everybody. And, you know, I don't know if you know, it was the way it was game planned or, you know, losing Richard. You know, obviously Callaway's whole incident where now he was out there and Jarvis was barely practicing. Odell was barely practicing. So anybody he was throwing to on Wednesday or Thursday is essentially were the people he was not throwing to on Sunday. So, you know, I, I want to fill back out that room with guys who can help out. One guy that's sticking out for me is Van Jefferson from Florida. Uh, you know, his father was Sean Jefferson, former NFL wide receiver, now a coach. Uh, he runs the routes perfectly. And he's actually a pretty thick and put together dude. Like he, you know, but he runs the routes like these Andy Isabella types. And, you know, he gets, you know, he whirlpools the defensive backs. His footwork is that strong. He's got thick, strong hands. The ball hits him. He holds him. Great hands catcher. He's a guy I think would be a great, great addition to Cleveland. The way things are going, you know, maybe a bigger Rashard Higgins type of thing, bit more body to him, but he runs clear, concise routes and gets his hands on the ball. I think you could put him in there with an Odell, a Jarvis, with a tight end, whatever backs in the backfield. And I think it would be a really, really nice setup in the red zone. Uh, I know Anthony would kill me for not mentioning this guy, but what's your thoughts on Colin Johnson out of Texas? Um, Anthony has had like a draft crush on him for quite like the last year or two. Um, I seen he uh, had an impressive drill on Tuesday. Um, what's your thoughts on him? And uh, since we're on the topic of wide receivers, how about KJ Hill at Ohio state? And even though he's not at the senior bowl, uh, Benjamin Victor, who was in the shrine game last week, Oh, well, we'll start with Victor. Victor is interesting with the, the longs, long arms and, you know, the hands approach. And this is kind of what gets happened with Ohio State in the way it is. Now, look, when you are one of these top three, four schools in the country, you know, you can tell these guys till you're blue in the face that, yeah, you're getting playing time, you're getting playing time. But you're still drafting two or three five stars at the same position, a class. Before. So you don't truly get to see a full work of art of these guys. Um, Victor and Hill 
both fall into that. Um, KJ Hill's having a great week this week. Um, you know, he the routes are good. You know, body isn't perfect, which is fine. Benjamin Victor brings size and length to this wide receiving core in Cleveland that Odell and Jarvis do not. Um, I, if I were going to ask for one here for probably for where you're going to get him, I think I'd want Victor over Hill. I just think he does a little bit more as to what they would need. Either one of them would probably be a fit. Colin Johnson, here's the thing. and The weirdest thing is, is that the dude's got hands smaller than my 13-year-old daughter, which is just absolutely strange how a guy that big can have hands smaller than eight inches. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know, somebody cut off the tips of his fingers or whatever. Um, moves well. Natural catcher. Uh, he's had a good week this point, so far this week. And he's not just the, the bigger receiver that gets downfield. You know, he can work over the, middle a bit, uh, over the middle a little bit more. I was actually stunned he actually stayed at Texas for this last year. I didn't think he needed to one bit. But it's a nice group down in Mobile. And here is the craziest thing is you look at any mock draft, you look at any rankings, you know, the top wide receivers aren't there. And you even go even further where you say, you know, what if uh, you know, Jamar Chase from LSU was draft eligible this year, even though he was only a true sophomore, he would probably still be the best in the class. It's an insane group. I, I mean, for me right now, if I can find a way to get one free agent wide receiver, you know, into the fold, you still have DJ Montgomery. You've got Ratley. You've got Hodge. Both of those guys are probably going to make your roster due to special teams, most likely, especially if Prefer's here. And now Prefer's got some guys who trust him to do his thing. I'm just going to say, you know what? I'll take the best receiver that's available at 221 in the seventh round because there's like 60 of them. And there's no way all these guys are going to get drafted. Would you say outside of offensive tackle that that's the deepest position group in this draft class? It's not even counting offensive tackle. It is the deepest position group in this draft. It's it's insane. And, and there's, I mean, you talk about a guy like Tyler Johnson, whatever the reason, he couldn't even get a sniff for the senior bowl. I would take him in a heartbeat. I think he's got a lot of Rashard Higgins to him. Runs his route correctly. Every route is the same. Does it, you know, that's the one thing with Jarvis and Odell. Every now and then, like, to throw in, like, that highlight head fake which may or may not throw off, you know, obviously when uh, you know Baker goes to release it, things like that, runs them clean, runs them right. This wide receiver, this is, you know, everybody always talks about 2014. And, you know, obviously I've said it, and that's been the benchmark for now. I, I think this class is going to blow that group away. So, Jeff, as we stand now, and obviously it's late January, um, who is your number one guy for the Browns at 10 as things stand currently? I'd be happy with any of the four tackles. And I, I think you could, you know, it can work either way. Um, you know, maybe with Josh Jones rising here, um, you know, it, my ideal scenario and, you know, and, and you saw it with Daniel Jeremiah's mock. I'll tell you what, if I can find a way to get the two Georgia Bulldogs, if I can get Andrew Thomas for the left side at 10, I'd be fine with worse, and I'll, I'll try to find the left tackle. I can go either way with that. But if I can get Andrew Thomas at left tackle, and I can get Isaiah Wilson also from Georgia. Now, both, you know, obviously, Thomas a junior, Wilson a redshirt sophomore. If I can get these two guys, uh, and that's it, I'm going to go man. And the way, you know, I'll man up with that group that I have. And the thing is, by the time it's we're ready to pay them more money, you're most likely talking about moving on from Joe Batonio. You're most likely talking about J.C. Treader. So then I go from there where now I am going to build my offensive line from the outside to the inside. You can get those two kids. 
who both move well, both weigh about 330 and change, both have height and length. They've played together. It, it, that would be my dream scenario. And you know, I'll figure out the rest from there because I don't ever have to worry about Baker again for at least five years. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, offense, any one of the offensive tackles, um, while we're recording, the draft network is posting a mock and they have Tristan Wurst in a Browns uniform. Oh my God, that looks glorious. Like that's, that's my number one guy right now. If we can get worse in a Browns uniform, like that's, that's my top target right now. Oh, and if you want to talk about, you know, like, and I talk about the, the Quentin Nelson approach or the just being a bully, just being an overall jerk, you go to the one, uh, you know, rip from his bowl game and, you know, he's out pulling on a reverse and you see the poor cornerbacks literally doing everything he can to like coil his body into the ground and Werf's like, nah, bro, sorry, got to take you out, man. And, you know, boom. And, you know, imagine that's pretty, essentially that was that last kid's college contact getting 330 pounds of Christian Wirfs just absolutely rattling your teeth. Yeah, he's a definite mauler. Um, I really hope he's there when we go when we're on the clock. But, you know, there's a whole lot to get to in the next three months. Uh, we actually did get a couple of questions. Um, so we'll get to them. Uh, Cleve 216 sent them both, actually. So we only had two. But he says this is a draft scenario. Oh, we're not getting we're not getting to Andy's questions. We are not doing Andy's <laughs> questions. Sorry, Andy. I love you, bud, but we're not we're not opening that can of worms tonight. Um, yeah, Cleve two one six. He he put a draft scenario. He said Kinlaw or Simmons at ten, and then offensive tackle at I think it's forty one. Uh, and he mentioned Winogo, Taylor, Pert, Adams, Niang, or Josh Jones. Uh, Jeff, I'll All let right, you have that a... one more time. Repeat okay. that one more time. So he has us taking Javon Kinlaw or Isaiah Simmons at 10, which I already know your Simmons uh, love <laughs> based on. I love, I, lo- I, lo- I love the player. I just don't understand how it works, but go ahead. Okay. And then he mentioned like five offensive tackles. He had Winogo, Alex Taylor, uh, Pert, um, Trey Adams, which I don't think he would be in play at 41, honestly, Lucas Niang out of TCU and then Josh Jones. Oh, well, I mean, you know, if you told me your return could be, you know, Javon Kinlaw at 10 and Josh Jones at 41, yeah, that, that would that would absolutely be ideal. Um, but, you know, of, you know, those guys, you know, the problem is, is you've already, you know, John Dorsey already punted on left tackle for two years. Um, you tried the whole, you know, Des Harrison thing. Um, look, you got Greg Robinson off the trash heap from an absolute colossal bust to a guy that some team will pay to be his left tackle, be their left tackle next year. But don't you owe this investment you made number one overall in Baker Mayfield? Don't you owe it a little bit more here? Look, I mean, you've already saved money on the offensive line by moving on from Kevin Zeitler. Wyatt Teller, you know, his pass pro last year was really, really good. Where he fares in this new system, I am not so sure. And I, and I understand it. He's, you know, you talk about athletic offensive linemen, you're not going to really think about a guy like Wyatt Teller. But you save money on this offensive line. So that's great. But you can't go out and sign a free agent left tackle. And that's you know, some people come to me, oh, well, you know, we'll just get one in free agency. You don't get good left tackles in free agency. It just doesn't happen. You're going to take the gamble again on what? On a Greg Robinson. It needs to be addressed. You need to do this for Baker. You need to do it for the rest of the offensive line. You need to do it for continuity, you know, continuity's sake. 
Um, you run the ball really well. Um, granted, Freddie didn't grasp that last year. So, look, if there's days where the passing game just ain't working, invest in offensive linemen who can pass block and run block. You've already got the center who can do that. You've already got a left guard who can do that. You either have a right guard in Teller or Forbes maybe is more of a flavor of this new regime. You've got to help yourself out and finish off this offensive line. And, yes, it's going to cost some money by paying two rookies, but it's not going to cost all the money. It's not. And, like I said, when you move on from Joel, when you move on from J.C. Treader, if these guys on the outside pan out, then everybody else on the inside becomes a little bit cheaper. 100% agree. I mean, left uh, shoring up the offensive line, finding that franchise left tackle has to be the number one goal for the Browns this year. And I think you can definitely get one at 10. Um, Cleve's uh, other question was, does analytics favor a trade down or would best player available at 10 or is best player available at 10 the better option given the abundance of good tackles? I mean, you pretty much just explained it in your life in the last question, Jeff, like they need to go tackle but what do you think of a potential trade down let's say justin herbert wows this week and he's on the clock at 10 and somebody behind us that needs a quarterback comes up with a a mega offer well i mean you look at it this way if you know you say if whoever's at 12 or 13 and i believe daniel jeremiah put two quarterbacks right in that range if you say one of those teams come calling and maybe makai beckton's still on the board or one of the top four. Maybe you really are 100% sure in Josh Jones. You know, I, I, I'm not, this would be, you know, everybody, I think when they think trade back, they automatically think, oh, you're going from 10 to 30. What if you go from 10 to 12, from 10 to 13? You know, then if you can, you know, guarantee and do the math, all right, well, I'm getting one of these two guys anyway. I'm totally okay with that. I'm going to be able to address, I, now I'm going to get an extra pick here. So, you know, 41 doesn't have to be my right tackle. You know, it, it gives you a lot more, you know, fluctuation throughout the draft process. I, I'm not totally against it, but people just think because, you know, uh, with Sashi and his crew, that's the way they did it. No, Sashi and his crew said, we don't have anybody. So here's what I want. I want to make 25 to 30 picks in the next two drafts. That's what I want to do. Because guess what? If I get 25 to 30 guys in here, the analytics and the numbers say maybe 75% of them are players. Even if it's only 70% of them, I'm on the right track. It's a lot different when you've already got the beast as a pass rusher. You've got your quarterback. You've got your running back. You've got your corners. And you have a lot of these other pieces solidified. You know, everybody thinks analytics only applies and you only look at it that way. You're still going to take your current situation and you apply the analytics to how I can improve my current situation. Sashi's current situation was, we have nothing. We don't have to, we have a great left tackle. That's what we've got here in Cleveland. We don't have anything of anything else. So how am I going to do this? I'm not going to go to the food store and buy five things. I'm going to go to Costco and buy 15. Andy came in with a great question. So we're going to actually go with this one for sure. Um, Get out said, of town. <laughs> he said, can you guys see a scenario where the Browns not only take an offensive tackle at 10, but trade back into the late first round to snag another offensive tackle that slipped? I would actually love this. Um, say we take, you know, one of the top four at 10. And if Josh Jones is still sitting there at the bottom of the first round, we know the Browns have scouted him heavily. 
Uh, I would not mind moving up from 41. We added some extra picks, trading Corbett and Avery away. Um, I mean, you could trade future picks too. If if Jones is sitting down there at the bottom of the first round and the Browns absolutely love him too, I would march to get him and snip, pair him up with one of the big four. Uh, you know, I, I, I do agree. Good question here. Um, I don't know if we can apply, you know, a, a strong definitive approach here yet. This could be something come, you know, mid-March after free agency. We're like, oh, yeah, by all means. Yeah, if you've got to go move up to grab somebody. Yeah, but, I mean, there's still some depth that's needed. And where 41 is now and looking where there's, you know, seven to eight to nine tackles I like, I think the odds favor I'm going to get one of them at 41. Look, a lot of things can change. Uh, we all know this. Um, you know, this would be – I'd like to revisit the – you know, We'll do we'll do it again closer to the draft, and I'd like to revisit this then. Um, it would also depend. I mean, look, do you have some spare parts around here you could move where it's necessarily not going to cost you a ton of assets? You know, do I have a player that interests you that maybe a player that you know doesn't fare too well as the new regime comes in? You know, can I move up from forty-one with a player and a future day three pick, things of that nature? But yeah, I mean it's 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 enticing. There's no doubt about it. And you know, if it's all too you know, and that was the biggest issue in 2019 was you know, and everybody, whatever you wanted to put on the defense, I get it, I get it, I get it 100. percent But we all thought we had an offense that was going to go out and score 30 points plus a week. They didn't. So if this would be the key to getting us an offense that scores 30 points a week, then yeah, by all means, man, you got to go grab that. Absolutely. This will be something that we definitely need to come back to uh, as we get closer to the draft. But Jeff, I thank you so much for coming on. Like I told you Monday, um, we got to shorten the uh, time between appearances here. Um, Cause I told you last time you were on was in April of last year, right before the draft. So uh, I thank you so much. Cause I know how busy you are with your podcast, man. Oh, I appreciate it. it it's yeah. And it's, you know, and obviously, you know, uh, my world has changed so much just in September and, you know, but even to say like April, oh my God, I mean, it doesn't feel like a year ago. It feels like three, buddy. <laughs> right. Um, with that in mind, go ahead and plug everything you got going on on Lockdown Browns, your Twitter, all that good stuff, man. Uh, obviously, anybody can find me uh, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns. Um, and I appreciate everybody for the support. Um, you guys are fantastic with it. Um, and, you know, for the most part here, you know, uh, you know, the Browns podcast community, we've got a nice group. Uh, you know, we can all sit down and break bread without getting on each other's nerves. And, uh, you know, Jack, to you and Anthony, I mean, wish you all the best. Continue success. Uh, the new mic. Perfect, bud. Thank you. I got my whole uh, little semi-professional getup over here. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much, Jeff. You're the best, man. Always uh, yes. oh, 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 a pleasure, Jack. You know that. Yes, sir. Uh, as always, guys, you can uh, follow uh, the podcast at the dogland which is also the name of our website the dogland.com or dog.land you can follow me on twitter at jack mccurry 08 you can follow anthony at at anthony jokey j-o-k-i and with that in mind as we get on out of here go browns 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.